is doing great things in our midst. We are worshiping in the presence of the Lord. What's the plan for these folks? All right. I feel like needing, I need to give you a little report so that you will know what God is doing. I know you can be here and what you've just experienced tells you that the Spirit of God is in this place. And it's happening every time we come together. We do not plan what God is going to do. We try to put together an order and a program, but we don't plan what God's going to do. He usually just comes and does what He wants to do, and we cooperate with it. Last Tuesday morning in our regular intercessory prayer meeting, we had 25 present. And in that prayer meeting, the Spirit of God moved in a mighty way. There was just an outpouring of the Holy Spirit as people prayed in the anointing of the Spirit. Fell out in the Spirit in the presence of the Lord with God's hand on us. So it was a powerful Tuesday morning in prayer. Wednesday night we came together here. And in the latter part of the service, the Holy Spirit began to move, just moved over the whole congregation, people weeping and crying and praying and crying out, praising the Lord. Two people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know what happened with the rest of you, but on Thursday morning, Carolyn and I were praying, and the Spirit of the Lord just swept in, and we just had a great, mighty, anointed time of prayer. And I don't know if anything just encouraged me any more than seeing what was doing going on this week and then Thursday morning to have that this that that precious invasion of the Holy Spirit to lift up and exalt him. It was wonderful. It's been a wonderful week. Now this is the first day of a new week and God is still as great as he was last week. And God is still working. He's not through in this place. We're just beginning to see. We're seeing just the beginning of what God wants to do and what God will do. So because I do believe that the real heart of this church, the backbone of the church, the foundation of the church, if you will, is prayer, I'm going to talk to you this morning and say some things to you about prayer. I called this message, How to Pray. I didn't really know what to call it, to be honest with you. I thought it through, and I, I prayed about it, and looked at some things I wanted to share with you, and my mind changed from one thing to another, and... And uh, I just did not get to the uh, uh, to the fullness of exactly what I wanted to call it. So I thought, well, it's a good name for it. It's always good to talk about how to pray. So that's how I got the title. So now, <laughs> now all of that considered, I want to say various things to you about praying this morning because you cannot, one thing you cannot do too much is pray. So when I talk about prayer this morning, I'm, I hope I will say some very specific things. It may seem like it's not like a logical point one, point two, point three kind of thing to you, but I believe that what I'm going to say to you this morning will have an impact if you'll listen to this as, from, as the word from God. Now, Father, may the Holy Spirit direct us in every way as we speak and hear and receive the word of God. In Jesus' name, let this be a time when the Holy Spirit makes a message of truth from you, come clear to our hearts, and we will praise you for it. Amen. Amen. In the third chapter of Acts, 
as a great experience presented. Peter and John, two of the leading apostles in the early church, were on their way up to the temple at the time for prayer. There are certain places that that is mentioned that indicates that it was an appointed time for prayer. It was a prayer meeting. We don't know if it was in the temple schedule or in the apostle schedule, but the temple was open for people, for Jews, to come and go and to use that as worshiping the Lord. In any event, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon was a time designated for prayer, and that's when Peter and John were on their way into the temple. They were going into the house of God to pray. And as they started into the house of the Lord in the temple, they saw a blind man sitting there at one of the gates. It was called the beautiful gate. And this blind man, I'm sorry, did I say blind man? I meant to say lame man. He might be blind too, I don't think he was, but he was, but he was lame. <laughs> this lame man was, at the, uh, was at, the, at the beautiful gate because they took him there every morning so that he could beg for gifts and offerings from people as they passed by and make his living that way. He had never walked in all of his life, in almost 40 years. He had, from the time he was old enough, been there as a beggar at the gate of the temple. And so Peter and John are walking by and see him there. I have to believe that they had seen him there before. The indication is that they went up regularly at the time of prayer. If this man was there constantly begging as they passed by, they must have seen him time and time again. And nothing especially particular, particularly important had happened. It just happened that day. And it happened that day because God had chosen a time, God had chosen an occasion to manifest himself. So Peter and John are walking by, and the lame man stretches out his hands and asks for an offering, for a gift to help him. And Peter and John turn and look at him, and together, whether they spoke simultaneously, whether one spoke for them, they looked at the man and, and said, we don't have any money, but what we do have, we will give to you. Look at us. It wasn't that they were making themselves important. They wanted the man to focus. They wanted his faith to not be distracted by things around him. Look at us. And then Peter said, silver and gold we don't have, but we do have something to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. He reached out and took the man by the hand and pulled him up. He jumped up and began to run and leap and praise God as he did. It's unusual in a lot of ways because, first of all, it was a miracle on a man who in almost 40 years of life had never walked. He jumps up and starts to walk. It is a supernatural expression of the miracle power of God performed in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And so here we have a great expression of the power of God. And how did this happen? It happened because God designated, I wanted you to understand, he's been there for a long time. He's been there day after day, week after week. They surely had seen him before. Nothing had happened up to this time. But this was the day that God chose. This was the day of God's appointment. 
This was a day of God's designation. And on this day, God didn't speak to him, the man who was there laying. God spoke to the two apostles, Peter and John. And they acted in the Spirit of the Lord with great faith and power and called this man up out of his lameness and the weakness of his legs and his feet up into walking and jumping and leaping and praising God as he went. I want to explain to you how I believe this came about. Later on, the Apostle Paul would write letters to the early church. He wrote letters to the Corinthian church, and in his first epistle to the Corinthians, he talked about spiritual gifts. It's very important that spiritual gifts be looked at in all the context. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and even 1 Corinthians chapter 14. All of that has to be taken together to understand the spiritual gifts as Paul taught them. Now, nothing had been taught either by the Holy Spirit or by the, certainly not by the Word, which is the Old Testament that they had at this time, to Peter and John, as far as we know. They didn't have any knowledge at this time about the spiritual gifts. Everything was developing as the Lord revealed His gospel and revealed His message and proclaimed, especially through the epistles and the revelation that He gave to the Apostle Paul, the fullness of the gospel that Jesus had come to present to the world, that He died for and rose again to justify. And that was not fully known to Peter and John, but it didn't matter. They were walking in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was working and doing what He does. I do believe that when that happened, it was the exercise of the gifts of the Spirit that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, especially when he spoke about a gift of faith. There's also a gift mentioned there of working of miracles. It could be one or the other. It could have been both, and most likely it was the working of the Holy Spirit in both of those gifts. The good thing about the gifts of the Spirit is you don't have to identify which, you don't have to identify which thing it is that the Lord is doing and which one he's using. You don't have to say, oh... I got it mixed up. The Lord wanted to take the word of wisdom, and I got it mixed up with the word of knowledge. You don't have to have to worry about that. The Holy Spirit may use two or three gifts or more gifts flowing together. But this is what I believe the gift of faith is. You are not just given faith to have all times and the same level of faith all the time. The gift of faith is a supernatural expression of the Holy Spirit for an occasion. You could meet someone, have a need doesn't have to be healing, but have a need, whatever it is. And the Holy Spirit could move in you as a spirit-filled believer, walking in the power of God, could reveal to you, speak to you, and bring to pass that gift because you qualify to be used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if that gift of faith rises up in you, in that moment you are given faith for that instance, for whatever that occasion is, and God will always honor that. You may find yourself speaking something that you don't even know why you're saying it. I don't know for sure that Peter and John were prepared to say what they did. They might have been prepared to say silver and gold have I none because they knew they didn't have any money. But all the times they'd seen him before, they'd never told him to stand up and walk. And now today, particularly at a time of God's choosing, I believe the gift of faith rises up in them for this occasion, for this man. And they say to him, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. And he does. It could be the gift of faith alone, the gift of miracles working with it. But it is the power of the Holy Spirit. 
The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is what they all identified as the power of God that brings people into salvation, brings them into healing, brings them into overcoming victory, and sets people free. That power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power of the Holy Spirit, is at work in his believers, and that's what happened that day when that man was risen out of his, out of his crippled state to where he could walk and run and leap and jump and praise God. And that can be what God does as he uses you for whatever place he has for that ministry. This is a part of prayer. Now, I'm saying this as I talk about how to pray. There are various ways to pray. You don't always come to the place that you say, Lord, I want this to be done today and choose that time. I don't believe they chose that time, but they were men of prayer. I'm sure of that because of many things that are said about him, but also because when this happened, when this man was healed, gloriously delivered, when this happened, they were on their way to prayer. They were on their way to prayer meeting. It must have been a Tuesday. <laughs> well, the Bible says it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Round here in Fleming Island, it would have been about 10 o'clock in the morning. That's okay. God's clock doesn't matter about it. He doesn't care. What the important thing is, they were on their way to pray, and they were in the spirit of believing God. You will see that happening here. This is, this is powerful, but what God is doing today is powerful as well. And there are many things that God does. Sometimes we don't clearly identify them as a miracle answer to prayer, but we should. Later on, if you'll remember over, still in the book of Acts, the 12th chapter, just, just before this record happens, Herod had taken James, one of the apostles, thrown him in jail and actually had beheaded him. And now, because he saw it pleased the Jews... He went out and arrested Peter and threw him in jail as well. Actually, threw him into a dungeon and chained him in there, locked him in. And he was there through the cold of the night. But the church was greatly concerned about Simon Peter. They didn't want to lose him like they just lost their leader, James. So they began to pray that God would set Simon Peter free. They prayed earnestly. The Bible says they were gathered together and praying that God would set him free. Well, then over there in the dungeon, God, who heard the prayer, knew where Peter was, answered the prayer. God touched Peter, and he thought he was having a vision. He got up and started to move about, and the Lord opened up the doors for him to go out, caused the chains to fall off. Until he walked out in the coolness of the air, he still thought he was having a vision. Then he realized he actually was free. So what's the first thing that he did? I'm going to tell you now, folks, this, this is important. You say, well, you're just picking out points to make. Yeah, that's exactly right, and that's a good point. He got out of jail, and the first thing he did was he headed for the prayer meeting. He headed for the prayer meeting because he knew why he was set free. He knew that those people, he hadn't been there. They hadn't sent him an email to tell him. He hadn't received a text message about it. But he knew because he knew what God's people do. God's people pray. He knew why he had been set free. He headed to do and, and how about this? He knew where to go. Because he knew where they gathered to pray. He was usually there. Couldn't be this time because he was in jail. But he got free, and 
that's where he had headed for the prayer meeting. So he walked up to the door, and he knocked on the door. And the little girl who came to the door was afraid because those were days that they'd already beheaded Jane. They put Peter in jail. What were they going to do to everybody? They were, they were concerned. But she came to the door, and he said, It's Simon Peter, let me in. She couldn't believe it. She ran back to tell the people. She said, Simon Peter's at the door. They said, No, they can't be because he's in jail. Oh, it's, it's him. I, I recognized his voice. No, no, you're mistaken. Can't be him because he's in jail. Now, let's don't be too hard on them. I've seen God do a lot of things, trying to do a lot of things when I said it can't be God. <laughs> Haven't you? Oh, that can't be God. I mean, why do I know it can't be God? Because I, because I know better. Because I know what the facts are. Because I know how I feel. Because I know how sick I am. Because I know how bad off I am. Because I know how this loan didn't come through or how this gift didn't come through or how I didn't get paid because the business fell apart. I know better than that it cannot be God because I'm in trouble and, and, and my trouble is real. You see how difficult it can be sometimes? And yet there he was at the door. And that one little girl, Rhoda was her name, said, it is him. They said, oh, it, it might even be his angel. Now, I guess she finally persuaded somebody to go to the door and check it out. And there he was. And there he was. And so God has power to open the jail cell. God has power to break the chains. God has power to set people free. God has power to deliver. And even if your mentality and your reason and your logic tells you it's not true, the Word of God says it is true, and faith is greater than logic, faith is greater than reason, and faith is the power of God that causes answers to come. So, so Peter was set free. You could, I could ask, address a lot of things that, to tell you that there are, there are things that we don't understand. I don't know why God let James be beheaded and Peter set free. God has a plan, and God's great plan is the right plan. And when we have to live that plan by faith, that's the way we have to live it. We live that plan by faith. I'm not going to sit down and get myself all in, a, in consternation and say, well, it's all right that God set Peter free, but maybe he'll let me be James and somebody else be Simon Peter. I might not get out. I might get my head cut off. He might set the other guy free. If you want to dwell on that kind of thing, I'm going to let you do it by yourself. You don't need to come to me for a counseling session and say, Pastor, I think I'm James and you must be Simon Peter. I don't know why God does everything exactly the way he does it and why he does things just as he does. But I do know this. This is what my faith tells me. This is what my experience tells me. This is what the Word of God tells me. God has a plan. And God's plan is better than your plan. It's better than my plan. It's better than anybody else's plan. And God's plan is always perfect. He knows what He's doing. So, so God went on to use Simon Peter in great ways, as we know. So, so, let, so now, all of this is, is about prayer. Peter and John were on the way to the prayer meeting when they stopped and paused to bring healing to the, to 
There was a great prayer meeting going on when Simon Peter was in jail. He was set free, and he went to the prayer meeting. So I'm going to tell you that the great lesson about those two things is it is important always to pray in the face of impossibilities, in the face of every kind of spiritual distraction the enemy may send, in the face of all reason that tells you it can't be so, in the face of all logic that brings you the message, this is the way it is and nothing's going to change it. All of that goes against faith. But prayer is energized by faith. And through prayer, believing God, we see miracles and answers that God gives us that could come no other way. I had someone from an out, out, of, out of town, from another state actually, called me and talked to me this past week and told me when she was in our church, she had the greatest experience of her life. She never had an experience like that when she was here she was in our church. God changed her life, and, and she actually said, she said, Pastor, I talk about you all the time. It was, don't talk about me. Talk about Jesus. Because what happened to you was what the Lord did for you. That's what he did for you. And the, wonderful that he changed your life. Wonderful that he made a difference. Wonderful that your thoughts are different, your conversation different. Wonderful that everything's changed. But give the glory to God because God's not through in your life yet. God moves and answers prayer. That's what I'm telling you. I know you know it. I know you know it. If I walk up and you say, do you believe God answered prayer? Sure you do. Oh, yes, Pastor. Why don't you ask me a thing like that? It's almost insulting you to even ask me that question. But do you, do you find yourself on your knees before God, claiming the impossible, claiming the, let's call it the unbelievable, because in the natural it is unbelievable. But do you find yourself on your knees in a spiritual realm, calling out to God and crying out, Lord, I know you do this. I know you will do it. I know it because I know you answer prayer, and I am expecting this answer to come in Jesus' name. That's why you know that you, have, that you believe that God answers prayer. When you bow before the Lord and you claim it, you claim it, this Spell all fear, all doubt, all uncertainty, and challenge all of that in the name of Jesus. Rise up in the power of faith in his name and believe God for the answer to prayer and the miracle that you need in your life. Hallelujah. So, so, so because sometimes we, 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 say we, we, we say we believe it, but we don't really exercise that, this is what James said about that. He said, you don't receive, the reason you do not have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. Now, sometimes that's all we do ask Him for. <laughs> give me what I want, give me what I want, give me what I want, give me what I want. I might need it, Lord, but I know I want it. I'm not sure I need it, but I know I want it. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. But you see, the next thing he said is, and even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole aim is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. The King James says that you might consume it on your own lusts. So we have to be sure that we're praying for the glory of God. Praying for that which will honor Him. So that when God brings the answer, we're going to testify and declare, He has done it. He is the one who has answered prayer. And all 
the glory goes to him because of it. You know, I, I've stumbled many times over the verse that declares we're to pray without ceasing. We're to always pray. And, and, and it doesn't mean every minute, every second, but to constantly be in prayer, believing God, calling on God, expecting answers from God, to continue to pray. Pray without ceasing. In fact, the Apostle Paul said that he prayed always. In fact, he said that to the Romans. He said he took to the Romans that I pray for you always. He said to the Ephesians. He said to the Colossians. He said to the Philippians. He said to the Thessalonians. In fact, he said it to them in both letters that he wrote to them. And even to Philemon, the epistle that was written to one man, he said, I always pray for you and your family. So Paul always prayed. I believe that's something you and I ought to cultivate. We ought to always pray. And as we pray, it does not mean we have to claim a specific answer every time we pray. But we pray honoring God and expecting the Holy Spirit to move and answer to prayer. Oftentimes to do what he chooses to do in his timing and for his glory. Let God choose the way he's going to answer prayer. We pray for God's answer. We don't have to tell him how to do it or when to do it. And even if we did, he wouldn't have to do it that way. So, so I find I find that 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 that, that being in a constant spirit of prayer is really where the Lord wants us to be. There are things that I pray for daily. Some of you would be surprised to know that your name is called frequently in prayer. I can look around this congregation and see people whose names I've called in prayer this week. Not because you've asked me to pray for you, just because when I'm praying and praying for this church, I see people, and I recognize people. And so I'll, as, I, as I think of somebody, I'll just figure, well, it must be the Lord wants me to pray for them. I'm not going to tell you I stay down on my knees for you for an hour at a time. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when I think about you, I pray for you. I may pray for five minutes, it may be a few minutes. I don't time it. I don't say, well... She deserves three minutes, and he only deserves 30 seconds. Though, if I think about you, and I do often, I see your faces, I pray for you. I believe that's what God means when he says to pray without ceasing. As we pray, he will keep us in the spirit of prayer, and he will bring things to us to pray about. I pray for my family every day. I call the names of my family in prayer every day. Carolyn joins with me. I pray for this church every day. I pray for many of you, as I just said. I pray for myself. I probably am like you. Well, I'm going to surmise that you're probably like me. Let's put it that way. I pray for myself a little bit more than I pray for almost anybody else. But that's not selfish. It's just that I know how much I need prayer. <laughs> I am a flawed individual. And I'll tell you something. I don't, know, I don't know of anybody who needs prayer any more than I do. So I think it's all right to pray for myself a lot. I hope you do pray for me too, but I need to pray for myself a lot. I need to know somebody's praying for me, and the one person I can know is me, so I pray for me a lot. And it's not because I'm selfish about it. It's because I need it so much. Lord, help me stop this. Help me overcome this. Help me start this. Help me do this. Help me not do this. Help me to spend more time here and less time there. Help me, help me, help me, Lord. And not selfishly, because I want to do more for God and do more that honors Him and not that concentrates on me. That's the substance of that prayer. But I pray 
I, re- I really pray, I, I told you this a long time ago. You may not remember. If you don't, I'm going to hold you responsible for it. <laughs> I told you this a long time ago. I, I pray every day for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the same gifts I was talking about at the beginning of this message, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to move and to operate through me because I know how much I need that. I pray every day, Lord, let the, let the words of wisdom, let the words of knowledge, let discernment operate through me today. Let the gift of faith operate through me today. Let the gifts, the works of the Holy Spirit in the gifts of the Spirit operate through me today as your spirit-filled believer. And then I pray for God to do specific things. I pray almost every day, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. And sometimes he does. A lot of times he does. I say, I pray, speak to me. This is the way I pray. I pray, Lord, speak to me. I'm open to receive a message from you any way you send it to me. I pray for God to speak to me in dreams and visions. In all my life, I've told you this before, I've only had one vision in all my life. But I pray every day for God to speak to me in dreams and visions. I don't dream message dreams from God. Maybe one day I will. I keep praying that I will. But God speaks to me in other ways. I believe that God will speak to us the dreams and visions he did in the Bible. And then I pray that God will speak to me in spiritual revelations. Not give me some new doctrine. But give me light on what I already know, what I read already, the scriptures that I'm familiar with, give me greater light on those, give me spiritual revelation. And God does that, helps me see some things. I brought much of it to you. And then I pray that he will speak to me in angelic visitations. You've heard me say all this before. That God will speak to me in angelic visitation. You say, well, Pastor, how's that working out for you? Have you had any angels visit you lately? And I would answer you saying, I don't know. I know this. I haven't had any coming along white robes and golden halos. But the Bible says that a lot of times angels come and they're there to minister to you and you're unaware of it. I may have had some angels help me along the way I didn't even, that I didn't even see. And I'll take that. I'll take that. I don't know how many angels it took to get Peter out of jail. But I'm sure God used them to go in there and break those chains and break it out and set him free and let him walk out loose on the street. But I pray that God will speak to me in dreams and visions, in spiritual revelations, and in angelic visitation. Now, because I don't see that happen every day, I don't recognize that that's happening every single day, am I going to stop praying about that? No, I'm not. Because the Lord has led me to pray in that way. So I believe that what God is doing and has done, I have seen more in spiritual revelations and the spirit and power of God showing me things I didn't know uh, in, in, in the time that I've been in here in this church than I ever had before in all of my life. Because that's when I started praying that when I first came here. Well, when I first got here, I knew how much I needed help. And I prayed desperately, God, give me something, something to help me, to get me through and, and God has done that. He has given me that. I don't always identify it specifically. I can't give you a chart saying, here it is. But I know God does that. And I know that I, that I have my surrender prayer that I pray to the Lord. You, you, this, is, this, is a, this is what I just told you. That's a speak to me prayer. Here's a, this is a surrender prayer. This is the way I pray my surrender prayer. I say, Lord, 
I want you to help me here. I am. I confess. This is my confession prayer. Surrender confession. I confess my confession prayer. I say, Lord, I am your obedient servant. Now, does that mean I obey him in every single thing, in every little nuance, that I don't ever think anything that's untoward or that I don't ever say anything? I shouldn't say that I am so obedient to him that I'm just like him. Not yet. But Carolyn will tell you I'm almost there. <laughs> well, she may not tell you that. She should, but she may not. So, so I pray and confess I, I am your obedient servant. I confess to the Lord I am your trustworthy child. Can he trust me in every single thing? Maybe not. I hope so. But I just want to be sure of it. So I just keep confessing I am your trustworthy child. So far, I can't name anything that I failed, but I don't want to fail. So I keep confessing I'm your trustworthy child. And the next thing that I pray and confess is, Lord, I am your anointed messenger. Because a long time ago, the Lord told me when I came here that he would give me a new, two times the Lord told me he would give me a new anointing a different anointing, a higher anointing, a raising of the level of the anointing. And I continued to pray, Lord, I am your anointed messenger. That's a confession. I'm saying all this to tell you, you ought to have a confession. You ought to have a confession where you declare who you are in Christ. You ought to confess you're his obedient servant. Confess you're his trustworthy child. You can be God's anointed messenger. I'm not the only one to be able to claim that. You can claim you're God's anointed messenger. You can have the confession that the Lord puts in your heart to make for you to declare and let that be a part of what you speak daily before the Lord. Have your prayer of surrender. Have your prayer of expectation. Lord, I want to hear from you. Dreams and visions, revelation, spiritual revelations, and angelic visitations. Choose your own ways you want God to speak to you. And then you can make your confession. I just confess that I'm your obedient servant. I'm your trustworthy child. I'm your anointed messenger. I confess that and try to live by it. So now prayer is, so prayer is more than just going down before the Lord and saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's nothing wrong with praying that, but that's a model that's not the prayer for you to live by. That's to say these are the things that you can pray and say before the Lord God Almighty. You have an invitation to pray this way. But out of that you will find developing greater and greater expressions of what the Holy Spirit really wants to say to you. So God is going to draw you closer and closer and closer to Him if you will follow Him in the path of prayer. I believe that what God is doing now in our church and the works of the Holy Spirit is because we are a praying church. I don't, I don't doubt it for one second. I, I, I claim it before the Lord every day. Keep us as a praying church, Lord. We are praying. We are believing you. And make every day a time of prayer seeking God. Not just the times we schedule it, but a time of prayer when you seek God in your life. And as God does great things in your life because of praying, it will translate into God doing great things among other people because of prayer. The, 
blessings of God that come to us, fill us, and spill over us to others who are around us. And the presence of God and the power of God is manifested in greater and greater and greater ways. Hallelujah. I believe it's worth praying. I believe it's worth seeking God. And I believe it's worth never stopping, never quitting, continuing until the very end. The Bible says that we shall reap, in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. If we do not quit, we will be the reapers of God's blessings. In due season, in God's time, and God's time, I believe, is upon us or we're edging into it. We're in a great time of the presence of God and the power of God and the manifestation of the Lord God in answers to prayer. We're in the midst of that great time, and we should not take it for granted. We should claim it from the Lord and believe this is what God is doing, and I praise you, God, that I am a part of what you are doing. You believe it? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, 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 I want to say to you, if I've said things to you that are kind of maybe really farther along, way, way further along the path than you are, it doesn't mean you can't get there. Your spiritual level is what it is, but it doesn't have to stay what it is. Your spiritual level can increase, be amplified, and, and in every way exemplify the power of God in your life. What you have now from the Lord is only the beginning, only the first part of God, what God really wants you to have. I can tell you now, no matter where you are with Him, no matter where you're standing, is whatever level it is where you are with God, I can tell you right now, He wants you to have more. He wants you to have more of Him. He wants you to have answers to prayer. He wants you to have victories in prayer. He wants you to overcome in prayer. He wants you to have greater than you've ever had before. And if you keep seeking Him, waiting on Him, calling on Him, believing Him, if you keep doing that, that is what is going to happen in your life. That's what's going to happen in your life. It's going to be promotion. It's going to be enlargement. It's going to be expansion. It's going to be far, far more, more, more than you've ever known or experienced before. If you faithfully seek God and wait on Him to do it, that's what I believe the Word of God promises. The closer we get to Him, the more we have of Him. And the more we have of Him, the more victory the more grace, the more power we have because he is the one who is the victory, who is the power, who is the grace. And having him in his fullness is having the fullness of his blessing and his provision. Do you believe that? Amen. I believe it with all my heart. Everybody stand with me, please.